I will give you rest. That's our promise for this week. We're doing this little series, Pondering the Promises. That's our promise. I will give you rest. Jesus says that. Jane just read it to us there. I'll read verse 28 again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's one of the most beautiful moments in scripture, isn't it? What an incredible invitation from the Lord Jesus. What I'd like you to do this morning is I'd like to invite you uh, to picture this passage in your head. Maybe you've already been doing that as Ian and Jane read the scriptures, but in case not, I'll read the most famous verses again, 28 to 30, and just note for yourself, begin to be aware of what you see in your mind's eye. So a couple of bits just to help you frame it um, and, and see the picture almost, but just to share that and we see that in verse 1 of chapter 11 and we also see from verse 7 that Jesus is teaching in public and that he's speaking to crowds when he issues this incredible invitation in verse 28. So what do you see? What do you imagine? What do you visualize as you hear these words? Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what I have always seen here as I've read this passage is a move towards intimacy. Now, you may be different from me. Uh, I don't really know. I can't, I can't get any feedback here. All I'm looking at is a little camera. <laughs> As you can see your, your faces. Uh, but I suspect I'm not alone in this. The call in this passage starts broadly. Uh, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. That's a big group. That's a, a broad invitation. But for some reason after that, for me at least, the picture begins to shift from broad invitation towards personal blessing. Even by the end of that first sentence in, in verse 28, um, where it says, where Jesus says, I will give you rest. By that point, I'm thinking of myself. Thank you, Jesus, that you can give me rest. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with this. Thank you that as I come to you, you can grant me rest. And when I say I suspect I'm, I'm not alone, it's because I've often used or, or heard the passage used in that way. It's included by, by me and others as part of some lovely steps that we offer individuals to come and find help from God. And Jesus' instructions continue on. We are to take Jesus' yoke upon us. We'll come back to this brilliantly uh, acted out by Neil uh, this morning. But as I hear that, I hear it as something that I have to do or something that Jesus enables me to do, about embracing him, embracing his teaching. So hence the, the next little phrase is, learn from me. So then I begin to say, okay, God, I, I need to follow your way, not my own. I need to, to learn from you. For Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then he says, you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So the image that I've sort of had in my mind over the years as I've pondered this passage is the broad appeal of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are labour and are heavy laden. I see this huge crowd and I picture myself as, as part of that crowd. But then I picture myself coming forward out from the crowd and coming towards Jesus and not being turned away by Jesus, but being welcomed by him and him assuring me of rest for my soul. But here's the thing. That's not what Jesus promises in verse 29. He doesn't promise rest for my soul. It's not what verse 29 says. It doesn't say you, singular, will find rest for your soul. It says you, plural, will find rest for your souls. Just like every other you in this passage, by the way, it's plural in the original Greek language. Why do I individualize this so much? Why do I ultimately assume that the main blessing, the main point of this passage is, is, is ultimately about a me and Jesus moment. Now, very briefly, important you hear me. Um, Jesus does care about me. Thank you, God. And he does care about you. And that's clear in a number of ways. Jesus taught explicitly and repeatedly about the rejoicing that happens when one lost person is found by the love and forgiveness of God. The Bible speaks about God's intimate care and knowledge of those he knit together in their mother's womb. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on our heads. And, and yes, we think of the ministry of Jesus. Yes, Jesus taught to crowds, but he also encountered individual after individual who others had ignored and pushed away. And he met them right there and he encouraged them and he changed their lives and he dealt with their needs in that moment. And yes, there are countless passages in the scriptures which demand a personal response. But here's the thing. Never an isolated response. What if, dear friends, Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30 is not an invitation for personal rest for weary individuals, but is a cry from the heart of God himself for communities, cities, regions, shires, for them to find their rest in him. I think we see this not just from you plural and things like that. We see this from the context in Matthew 11. Look back with me. So look at verse 1. It says that Jesus is preaching in cities. So widely is he preaching that John the Baptist hears of it while he's in prison. Verse 7 says he's speaking to crowds. In verse 16, Jesus is reflecting on a whole generation and their response to him. And then from verse 20 to 24, as we heard Ian reading, Jesus is denouncing whole cities for their response or, or lack of response sometimes to him and his work. He lists six different cities just in those five verses and he has no hesitation about speaking of the nature of their sort of collective response to God and his works. And verse 25, our passage flows out straight from that point. Verse 25, at that time, 
Jesus declared, or more literally, the word would be Jesus answered. Uh, this is this passage is Jesus' response to what has gone before. And he begins in prayer to his Father in heaven, how, how God has revealed these things, what he's just been reflecting on, not to the wise and understanding, but he's revealed them to little children. So this is the same flow of thought. He's speaking about the response of cities to the things of God. He's, he's considering what whole-scale repentance looks like. The, he's, he's reflecting on the judgment of God that is coming for cities who would reject God. And that this truth is revealed not to the smart and influential, but to the humble and the lowly. And then after verse 27 which is sort of a parenthesis almost of just this incredible teaching of the relationship between the father and the son straight after that comes this call come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden now you put this verse this passage in front of a nice background and you post it to instagram we assume it's about us but when you read us as individuals, I mean. But when you read the context in Matthew chapter 11, we hear that this is about crowds, generations, even cities. And we have this promise from God, which is true, that those who come will together find rest for their souls. Ponder for yourself just now, what is going on in your heart? As you consider this, what happens in your heart when you hear this, not as an invitation, primarily as an invitation for personal rest, but as the cry of God over cities and regions? For me, when I think of Matthew 11 like that, I'm both humbled as I'm confronted by my self-centeredness. You know, it doesn't take a lot for me to assume I am at the centre of something. And, and you know what? We've, we've got very good at doing that in the church, at putting ourselves in that place. So as well as feeling a little sort of discombobulated as I read these verses and, and, and reframe or correctly understand, I think, the, the, the way that they should be read, it's a little unsettling. As well as I'm just humbled because I realise I've, I've, I've done it again, maybe. I've, done, I've put myself... And my own individual needs right in the centre of it. Maybe a little humbled, but also excited. Excited at my God. My God's heart, my God's call and passion is for the many as well as the few. And here's the thing. God's care for me and for you and our individual circumstances is beautiful and is real. But that love and care for us is not isolated from, but as we are unfolded up into it, it becomes part of Jesus' cry for communities and cities and countries and worlds. What happens when you hear Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 as a cry, for example, over Minneapolis? or the many other cities in the US that have been in the news in these weeks that Jonathan and Ruth prayed so powerfully for. Or when you hear these verses as a cry over the thousands who have gathered in protests around the UK and, and will do so in the coming days, 
What happens when you hear Matthew 11, 28 to 30 as a cry over Aberdeen and Kintor and Aberdeenshire with all the multifaceted need and challenge? Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Don't be like Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. You know, as Jesus highlighted to them the work that he had done in those cities, so he could say that to us too, could he not? You've seen my mighty works in Scotland. Great mercy poured out over the centuries. Great Christian truth cherished and proclaimed over centuries. Don't be like these other cities and ignore my call now. But Aberdeen, Shire, Scotland, turn from sinful ways. Turn from sinful systems. Turn from sinful ideologies and sinful policies and sinful prejudices. These things that would crush down on you and lead you to the path of destruction, not the path of peace. And Jesus' cry would be, let my truth and my gentleness and my humility be what you carry. Come to me, Aberdeen, broken, wayward and weary as you are. Come to me, Gintor and Aberdeenshire and beyond, full of hidden lostness behind closed doors. Come to me, Scotland, this nation that has forgotten God. Come to me and I will give you rest. God cares about cities, regions, nations. He called a nation through whom one would come who would bring blessing to all the nations. That one, that Jesus, that chosen one, he calls us to be not just isolated, saved souls, but he calls us to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we see how God zooms out to focus on cities again and again. The prophets warned against cities who would stand against God and the apostles wrote letters to churches across whole cities and regions. Jesus wept over cities and then in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus wrote letters to churches in cities. In the book of Acts, we get updates about the growth and spread of the church with reference to different cities and regions. But Hebrews speaks of the longing that we have for the city which is still to come. The Apostle Peter reminds us that we are a holy nation, a people bought by God. But John reminds us of the end of the story in Revelation of how there is coming a holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from God, from heaven to us. We're not just individuals going from spiritual moment to moment. Here in Matthew 11, Jesus cried out to those in that region, come to me and I will give you rest. And we need to hear that cry of God over our communities, our streets, our towns, our cities. And we need to join in that call with words and action. Yes, there is always a personal call to come to Jesus. But God, forgive us 
for separating the restoration of heart from Jesus from the heart of restoration with Jesus that we're called to. God, keep us from separating the restoration of heart from Jesus, from the heart of restoration with Jesus that we're called into. Now, as we come to a close, if you're like me, you're asking, what do I do? What's the, what's the call here? Even as I thought of that, I thought, man, we just need to be wary, don't we, about just always finding little bite-sized chunks that we can hold on to. Sometimes we just need to sit with Jesus' cry over, over our region. Just a few thoughts for you. Firstly, make sure that in some of your scripture study, it's done with that wide angle, zoomed out a bit to see the macro story of God's plans for the world. Secondly, we need to lift our eyes to see the broader picture of what is going on in the world. John Stott used to say that as preachers prepare sermons, they should do it with uh, the word of God in one hand and the newspaper, I don't have a newspaper with me, but a newspaper in the other hand. But that's true not just of preachers preparing sermons, that should be true of us. The word of God in one hand and our eyes on on the news, on what's going on in the other. And as we do that, thirdly, that should lead us to pray bigger prayers. And we have some wonderful examples of this in our church family. People who are blazing a trail and praying big prayers to God, who want to join in Jesus' cry for cities and regions. And I need to learn from their example, as many of us do. And then finally, we get to join God in his kingdom work. Wherever he's put you this week, Wherever he's put you, you can join in his kingdom work, praying that we would be the people that we're meant to be, the holy dwelling, the city on the hill, the prophetic signpost to the coming city of God where justice will roll down like rivers and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. May it be. We respond to, then we join in Jesus' cry, for rest for weary souls. That's what it means to take his yoke upon ourselves. And it's light and it's easy because we're not in it alone. Verse 27, Jesus has indeed shown us the Father and he's shown us his work. It's his call of love for Aberdeen and Shire and beyond in which we join. It's him to whom we call people. It's in it's his kingdom which we share in, and it's his work that is unfolding. He will bring it to completion. We can be sure of that. Hold on to hope that he is faithful to his promise. He will bring his rest, as he said. What a God we have. What a God with such a heart for this land. Let's join him in that. Let's join him in that heart in that work for his glory in these days. May it be. Amen.